As a country still emerging from its communist-era isolation, Albania is showing up on a lot of go-now-before-it-changes travel lists. Ben Curtis teaches political science at Seattle University with an emphasis on Southeast European studies. Ben also leads tours in the Balkans, and he's the author of The Habsburgs, History of the Dynasty, and The Traveler's History of Croatia. David Willett is a full-time tour guide who co-authored The Lonely Planet Greece Guides. David's just recently led a group through Albania after several visits in recent years. Ben and David, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Rick. Thanks, Rick. So, Ben, you just uh, we were just in Albania. Lonely Planet called it perhaps the number one new destination. You know, uh, What is it about Albania that would make it worth all of us paying attention to? For me, it was one of these sort of blank spots on the map, having been so many places in Europe, and yet here is Albania sort of shrouded in in myths, mysteries, uh, stereotypes, you know, like the explorers of old, I guess, I wanted to go uncover it. And Edge is a little rough, yeah, but that's part of the charm. One of the things that's great about it being undiscovered from a tourist point of view is, in my experience, people there are actually happy to see tourists. Hmm. I think of it in comparison to, you know, Paris or Prague, where people might be more jaded about, oh, great, another busload. But here, a busload shows up, oh, welcome to Albania. It's almost a, a code of honor to be hospitable to foreigners venturing into your town in Albania. It's true, and that's that goes back hundreds of years. It's deep in the culture to treat guests like royalty, they say sometimes. And I was flabbergasted at how much that old tradition still holds, even with young people, that hmm. people would come up to me and offer help, and they actually wanted to practice English. And how often does that happen in Western European countries anymore. It sounds wonderful. Now, just a generation ago, it was considered like the last remnant of Stalinism, and they had an incredible, bizarre dictator, and tourism was just unthinkable. Ben Curtis, what are the nitty-gritty kind of uh, hurdles? Visas, language barrier, how expensive it is, and so on. Yeah, visas for uh, most Western countries, U.S., Australia, Canada, Western Europe, nothing. You You just just cross cross the the border. Yeah, costs are quite low. You can get a decent hotel room for 25 euros a night. About 30 or $35, then yeah. that's pretty good. Food also very reasonable. And a warm welcome. And a warm welcome. And no tourist crowds. Yeah, exactly. And all sorts of funky remnants of communism. And that's <laughs> something that I love, yeah. We'll talk about that in just a minute. David Willett, you're going back with a group of friends. What's your itinerary? If, if you're going to Albania, it's a small country. Uh, what is it, the size of Maryland, something like that, and uh, just 45 miles east of Italy, and you can go there from Greece or from Montenegro. What would your itinerary be if you're taking your friends to Albania? Or you can go there from uh, the Republic of Macedonia, which is where I'm going to approach it from, from Lake Ocrid, which is on the border between Albania and the Republic of Macedonia. Which is a good place in its own right. It's a beautiful place. It's a a World Heritage Site, mainly because it's role in uh, establishing Christianity amongst the Slavs. But uh, the reason I'm going, I'm looking at the World Heritage Sites in the south of Albania, because very conveniently for anyone running a tour, all the main sites, the World Heritage Sites, and there's three of them, are close together in southern Albania. Three World Heritage Sites in a little humble country the size of Maryland. Yes. What are those? There's Barat, the town with a thousand windows, Girocasta, the town with a thousand steps, and Butrint, which is a wonderful site that dates back to the 7th century BC. Now, my town has a thousand steps and a thousand windows, and we're not a World Heritage Site. You need to be a little bit older than that. Okay, so what is it about those steps and those windows? Uh, they're regarded as the finest surviving ar- examples of Ottoman-era architecture, and that's wow. what took me there in the first place. I, I love funky architecture. And that's the unique thing about Yugoslavia. It had that Ottoman uh, heritage where you've got these Muslim uh, little um, islands of, of Islam, really. 
well, you're not so aware of the Islam because for a long time Albania was an atheist state and many right. people remain true to that. But the Ottoman heritage. I yes, think. the Ottoman heritage is, right. is most certainly there and uh, it's beautiful, particularly at Girocaster. We're finding out how lifelong education is actually a lot of fun today on Travel with Rick Steves. We're joined by David Willett and Ben Curtis and we're learning about Albania. Our phone number is 877-333-7425 and William's on the line in Miami, Florida. William, thanks for your call. Hi. Uh, what... Uh... What languages between French and German would come in handiest uh, in Albania? Neither of them would come in particularly handy. The languages that are handy, well, Italian, especially in the south of Albania, and a lot of people speak English these days, plus Greek. Yeah, Italian uh, is your best bet, I think, besides English. I would think since they've been a free society, English has been the focus of their education. Especially among the young people. Young people. So if you find young people or people in tourism, I would imagine, William, that your English is your best uh, language in Albania. Okay, well, my question is about, I'm very interested in Byzantine art. I was wondering if if they have, uh, you know, the the regular icons and things like that, or were those destroyed during the communist days, and do they have museums to see them, or do you have to go and find churches if those still exist? churches still exist, but the best place to see them, I think, is the museum in Barat, in the Barat Castle, where they have a wonderful collection of Byzantine icons. And also the National Museum in Tirana has a whole room, a big room actually, dedicated to some of the old uh, icon traditions. So Hmm. those two places are really where you want to go and see them. And Tirana is the the capital. Is the capital, the big Mm -hmm. city. And that's where the center of the infrastructure would be for yeah, transportation yeah, and everything. Yeah. But they do have, still have the actual uh, icons and things like that. The communists did not destroy them. There and are some. In the uh, Onofri Museum in Barat, there's a wonderful collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that one's actually really impressive. So yeah. the, the churches probably took a hit during the, the Stalinist period, but uh, the art survives in museums these days. Weren't they Maoist instead of Stalinist, though? Well, both. I mean, yeah, Hoxha was one of these very rare... <laughs> communist dictators who uh, align himself with Mao, but they had their sort of Stalinist period, too. So, Can you find a lot of the old communist, you know, Kish and stuff like you can buy in, like, the eastern part of Berlin or uh, the swap markets in Prague? I didn't see much. If you go into the, the antiquity sort of shops or the antiques, you might be able to find some of that stuff, but I'm a person who's a minority of maybe one uh, in the world who actually loves that old, terrible communist architecture. And so Tirana, the capital, which most people, if you travel to Albania, you'll probably end up passing through Tirana anyway because it is the transportation hub, as Rick noted. Tirana has some of the fantastically awfulest communist architecture I've ever seen. So that's reason in itself for spending a day there. But Ben, talk about the the bunkers. I understand there's like 700,000 of these uh, air raid shelters. Right, yeah. This was part of the communist paranoia of of the Hoxha regime that ruled Albania during the communist period where they feared invasion from the imperialistic West at any moment. And so they directed the uh, citizenry of Albania to build these concrete bunkers out in fields and on roads and in the middle of nowhere. And so they still dot the landscape. And um, some of them are decrepit and forgotten. Some of them have been painted nice colors. Some of them are used now as like um, stalls for cows and goats, and so they dot the landscape, and it is this really weird Mm -hmm. trademark of Albania now. And they're probably just too herky and concrete and rebar to to chip away and destroy so they just survive. Exactly, yeah. All right, William, thanks for your call. Thanks a lot. It may be the Balkan country that time and tourists have overlooked, until recently. Right now on Travel with Rick Steves, our guides are enthusiastic about Albania. We're joined by David Willett and Ben Curtis. Donna's calling in from Yakima in Washington. Hi, Donna. 
Um, I, I drove through uh, Europe in uh, the summer of 2010, and Albania was one of the countries that we drove through, and we really enjoyed it because we didn't see tourists. Uh, we pretty much had the place to ourselves, and I found it very enjoyable. It was relatively inexpensive. We enjoyed uh, Giro Castra and also Berat. Uh, those are two cities that we stayed in. B-E-R-A-T, Berat. That sounds like a great spot. And Donna, were you impressed by the just the, the scenic wonders or any natural sightseeing? We enjoyed the castle. Uh, and that was really nice. And also, yes, the mountains, the wide open spaces. It, it was beautiful. Yeah. We were in the mountainous area mostly. David Willett, uh, I understand there's 14 national parks in Albania. What was your impression for the, of the natural wonders compared to other places you might go? I've never been anywhere more mountainous in my life. Our caller was just talking about some mountains. I didn't see anything other than mountains. <laughs> so it's a rugged terrain. It's a very, maybe very that's rugged. that's why the Albanians were so isolated. It's the land of the eagle. Flying is the best way to get around. <laughs> Donna, thanks for your call. Thank you. Wow, I've got to put Albania on my list. And, you know, it's, it's appealing for its natural wonders. As David said, nothing but mountains. It's got some appeal for its the remnants of its communist nightmare, and it's got some natural heritage sites and some historical heritage sites and Ottoman heritage and so on, but really it sounds like the people is a, a surprise bonus of going to Albania. Albanians are still absolutely thrilled to bits that anyone should want to go and look at their country because, I mean, they regard, many of them regard their country as you know, something of a ruin. They're fascinated that people should be coming and taking an interest in it, and they're absolutely thrilled to bits that you're there. Uh, so... That's a I, huge bonus for anybody planning a trip there. I found it really very difficult to spend any time by myself because you'd go into a cafe and sit down, and before you knew it, there would be people coming over and wanting to know, where are you from? What are you doing here? Do you like it? And when you say yes, a huge smile comes across their face because uh, you know they find it hard to believe that anyone would find their country interesting because they've been suppressed for so long. And uh, I think it's very rewarding going to a place that's opening up like that because you are something new. You're not just another tourist, as Ben mentioned earlier. And you're talking to these wonderful people, these warm people, and they've got some uh, quirky cultural differences. I, I understand, like in Bulgaria, they shake their head uh, no for yes or something like this. Did yes, you know it can that? be very. It can be rather disconcerting at first, but uh, somebody shakes their head no, and that means yes. And, and then they dress up uh, quite formal when they go out? They do, the, the men in particular. Yeah, and you can actually see the men put on their suits and parade every evening. Don't forget that Albania is very, very mountainous. It may be kind of forgotten. It seemed like a backwater, but it's also a Mediterranean country. And so there's these Mediterranean customs that will remind you of Italy or Spain. And one of them is the giro, which they do. It's the evening walk. Everybody heads out. Everybody dresses up. I mean, I remember in the beautiful town of Berat, that all the kids, all the teenagers are out, they've all put every conceivable kind of gunk in their hair and put on their best clothes, and they're out to see and be seen, and that's what people do. That's how you go talk to your neighbors. It's just an incredibly vibrant, beautiful cultural custom, which is absolutely alive today, and it's just amazing. David Willett, Ben Curtis, thanks so much. Thank you, Rick. Thanks, Rick. Each year, Rick Steves tour guides take free-spirited travellers on escorted tours through Eastern Europe and beyond, one small group at a time. This year, we're featuring tours of the best of Eastern Europe, the best of the Adriatic, Prague and Budapest, and Bulgaria. For a free catalogue and Rick's Tour Experience DVD, visit the tour pages at ricksteves.com. <laughs>